So you said you booked the treasure. I did. When are you going on? Are you going on the maiden or are you... Uh, oh, absolutely are... <laughs> not. Not a chance of that. back everybody to this week's episode of the dcl duo podcast brought to you by my path unwinding travel and sam i'm gonna have you start reading these reviews on the air because they bring you so much joy i I love them well we've got another one we've got a five-star review here from la belu maybe la belu i'm probably mispronouncing that but thank you could it be belu like as in from the jungle book belu perhaps perhaps but it says Excellent Disney Cruise Podcast. Brian and Sam have the special ability to be extremely informative and professional in a casual and engaging manner. As a frequent Disney cruiser, I still find myself listening to every episode and learning new things. I also appreciate the diverse range of guests and discussions. They are clearly well prepared, but the conversation flows easily. They do not shy away from constructive criticism and offer a variety of opinions so the listener can hear different perspectives on the presented topics. This is one of my favorite podcasts. Give it a listen. Well, thank you for that review. We really appreciate it. And uh, for all of you out there, leave us one of these reviews over at Apple Podcasts. As we record this show, we're at 298 reviews, knocking on 300's door. Pretty excited about that. So Head over there, leave us a review, and we will read it on the air at the top of the show. So, but Sam, we got a guest back who I'm really excited about. He was so much fun to talk to a few episodes ago now that we released. And yes. uh, yeah, you want to introduce our fabulous guest today? Absolutely. Now, this person is a Disney expert, has worked for the Disney company in the Disney parks, now works for a media outlet that covers Disney, that covers all things parks cruise line, international parks, all the things basically. And he was just on our show to talk about the Around the World Adventures by Disney. So let's welcome back to the show, Benji from Laughing Place. Welcome, Benji. Thanks so much for having me back. I had so much fun last time. So I was thrilled that you were willing to let me join you again. (laughs) Anytime, anytime, Benji. You can visit us anytime. We love talking to you. And we're super excited because we have not talked about the cruise that you went on that we're going to talk about today, which is the DVC member cruise just happened this past September on the Disney wish is the first time the member cruise happened on the wish. And of course these member cruises are exclusively for DVC members and they're, we are, they're known for having special performers, special swag, all the things. But before we get into that cruise and talk about it, let's give our audience, your Disney background, and specifically your Disney Cruise Line background. And we, I know we talked about it on our last episode with you, but why don't you remind folks? Sure. So, I mean, I've been a Disney fan my whole life, ever since I saw a Disney Channel free preview when I was three. And, you know, the parks were always the next level of that storytelling. And when they announced the Cruise Line, I, I was... I was still in high school and, you know, I, I didn't have the funds to do it. And it, it felt like something that, just didn't necessarily appeal to me. It felt like something where they were going to slap the Disney label on it and it would be a cruise. And particularly at that time, the marketing was very dry. It was like, you're going to do, you know, there's this area for kids, this area for adults, this area for families. You know, I mean, I think they're kind of doing it again, but kind of didn't acknowledge single people who may want to do it. It took me a bit to get on it. I mean, relatively speaking. So obviously it launched in 1998. I did my first Disney cruise in 2002. I fell in love and, you know, went to the future cruise booking desk as soon as I think the first night had happened. And 
there was just the magic of having so much fun and, and being inside that Disney envelope, but still having that relaxing environment of being on sea just really appealed to me and haven't stopped since. I'm on 26. Wow. wow. Awesome. You know, it, I think you're right about the advertising. Even today, they are definitely, their marketing is definitely very targeted towards families with young kids. And I say young kids, meaning elementary and middle school kids. I think they market less to families with teenagers, although not to say that families with teenagers don't come, there are plenty on board. But you're right. Disney isn't necessarily marketing to, you know, the 20 and 30 and 4 year olds who don't have kids yet we see plenty of them on board. <laughs> well it's funny to me because if if you saw the Disney Treasure I'm sure you, of course you saw the Disney Treasure yeah. map, where it was basically like don't you dare come on this cruise by yourself yeah. because you have to come here <laughs> if if your family's not willing to go you are not welcome here there's no singles <laughs> anything on this ship and I was like ouch you know like maybe some guests just want to go on the Disney treasure by themselves <laughs> <laughs> that's so hilarious but you're right like they really it's just funny the way they market even though I think there's plenty of singles and plenty of young adults without children who cruise and frankly plenty of older adults without children who cruise on Disney so plenty I, of adults that have children who don't bring them yes like <laughs> we did that our first two cruises so yeah absolutely no. No shame, it's really, no shame yeah, in that. Right. It's just, you, you don't, and you, you find, it's funny enough, you don't have to be a diehard Disney person, but of course the adults who come without kids more than not are diehard Disney fans, I would say. <laughs> what I love about Disney is it's obviously the core of it is, you know, parents and children can have fun together, but it can appeal to anybody and it doesn't need to be a parent or a child. It can be an uncle and aunt bringing their friend or just going with friends or one of my great early Disney memories were actually when I was in college and we'd go to Disneyland as a group. So, and I, I, when I went on the Disney wish for the first, well, the first time I paid to go on the Disney wish, I brought my, my best friend. I brought Mm -hmm. a friend I had from Vegas who really, I wanted to have that family experience. And it was just, it's just great to have family in the broadest sense. And sometimes family is just you. So Yeah, I love that. So let's talk about this DVC cruise. But before we do, I have to know, of course, where do you own DVC? Because in order to be on a DVC member cruise, you have to be part of that DVC bubble. And I will caveat this with just one person in each stateroom has to be a DVC member, not everyone who's in that stateroom. And Correct me if I'm wrong, Benji, but for the member cruise, you didn't actually have to pay with points. You could pay completely on cash or you could pay on points or some combination. Absolutely. You could pay on cash or points or, you know, one person on cash, one person on points. For I know sometimes the rules change depending on the I think the anticipated demand, but at least for this particular member cruise, I paid cash because it's a lot of points and, you know, you might as well just pay the cash and save the yep. points for when you want to stay on a you know a particular property at at Disney or at Disney World or Disneyland. So yeah, absolutely. I did stay. I did pay a cash. I happened to book this one while I was waiting in line to get into the Marvel presentation at Comic-Con. So <laughs> I was very lucky that I got into it cuz I happened to get it right at the mark. The net, the last one I did, the one I booked for next year, it took me about 5 or 6 hours to get through. So 
Oh, wow. And that one is the one in Europe on the dream then, right? Exactly. Yeah. Where's where's your home resort, Benji? I, I realized I didn't actually answer your question. Uh, <laughs> so as a unit, we own Old Key West, Beach Club, Boardwalk, Saratoga Springs, Animal Kingdom Lodge, Wilderness Lot, Boulder Creek, or no, sorry, Copper Creek, Wilderness Lodge, Polly, Animal Kingdom Lodge, and Villas at the Disneyland Hotel. Oh my goodness. So you you basically own almost everywhere on Disney property. Well, yeah, so I, I don't own everywhere, but, but pretty it, close. And I thought it was done because I have enough points to <laughs> handle myself. But <laughs> I did just book because the Disneyland Hotel, I actually was able to get the Disneyland Hotel Villas for D23 Expo. So <laughs> I was very excited about that. So that all played out okay. But yeah, you know. And as and some of it came from family. So as as we as I got married, our families merged. So mm-hmm. we have plenty of points. But I don't know. It's, it's almost kind of fun to and not that you should, I understand it's not a minor investment, but it's kind of fun to just add on points and you know add to your portfolio as long as you're going to use them and and have the means. It's been a great. Yeah, there's experience. a word for that. They call it add on itis. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do have. I, I didn't have it for a long time. So when I worked at Disney, I didn't. When I would get like a discount, I didn't actually add on. When I left Disney and didn't get the discount, I was like, oh, no. I mean, and honestly, that is why for years I didn't do a member cruise because Mm. I thought it was going to be just long pitch to add on points. Like I just thought that it was a marketing pitch to get you at the new thing. And while they certainly are there to facilitate adding on points and they do promos, you don't feel like it's everywhere you go. And in fact... I got one call before saying, Hey, there's an offer here. Do you want? It? And I said, No, I'm not interested. I literally just bought points. Mm-hmm. And he said, Okay. And I was the last I heard of it the whole time. I wasn't a second class citizen. We mm-hmm. still got all the gifts and everything. So I I didn't realize that it was more of just marketing for the brand as opposed to just a way to add get people to add on points. Cause yeah. there was a time, especially when Alani opened, that it just felt like everything they did was just to get you to add on Alani points. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just like I don't want to spend that kind of money to just get a timeshare spiel, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I happened to have friends who were booked on the California Coast member cruise they did a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. That one, because it wasn't as popular that you could they were a little bit more lenient in how you could book it and everything. And so I booked it and I was like, oh, I didn't realize this was just basically a, like a mini D23 Expo on CD and with, you know, all sorts of presentations and synergy opportunities and giveaways. And and I was like, oh, no, we're doing this again. This was a blast. Yeah. It's one of the highlights of my year. And be- especially because there's always new things to do, but many of the guests return. And so you get to know... Bill Farmer, Caitlin Roback, Leslie Iwerks. You, you just because you see him around the ship. You know, Jody Benson would always say, like, hey, so if you see me around the ship, say hi. Like, don't be afraid to say hello. I love meeting fans. She's so the best. And, and everyone would just go, okay, well then, you know, and, and I mean the, this poor I mean, and then you see her jamming out at the silent disco at um, Luna. Yes, or or watching people do karaoke. Yeah. So on the Maiden Voyage of the Wish, she was on and she came to karaoke to watch. A bunch of us sing and it was the coolest thing like i mean i got to perform on a stage with jody benson in the audience the voice of ariel i mean crazy and and one woman was brave enough to sing part of your world like craziness i would i would have been nowhere near that song <laughs> same same i i was like that was very brave. And actually, the the woman who sang it did a, a very nice job. But she had actually changed her song to sing that. She was going to originally sing something else. And I thought that was kind of an odd 
an odd choice, but you know, go you, if you've got that kind of confidence, uh, you know, well, you kind of get that nice thing. You're still on a cruise. So besides, you know, you, you know, Jody Benson, but these guests are never going to see you again. Right. Yeah. Like, you, you know, my sure. little little. Yeah, I love it. All right, so it sounds like you ended up on a on a cruise previously that was a DVC member cruise, and that's and had such a great time that that sort of said to you, okay, I got to do this again, like year after year. Is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, it absolutely is a fair assessment. I, I you know, it was kind of very similar to my first Disney cruise. As mm-hmm. I was on, I was like, oh no, we're doing this again. <laughs> we talked last time about the around the world tour, and I was like, I loved it. Glad I did it. Never again. Yeah, this this was sort of not that. I, this I was, is the opposite. I'm, I'm ready to sign up every every chance I get, you know. And and the team that puts them on just does it with such loving care that it's it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to say I'm jealous because it seems like a lot of the time these member cruises, the schedule for them is is not great in that they often schedule them during the school year. And this one being on the wish, it was it wasn't even a weekend. It was the Monday to Friday four night cruise, and so it was in the middle of a week in September. And so you know the ability for a lot of people with kids to go obviously is is not much, but. The DVC member crews, I think, do tend to attract more adults anyway. I mean, even the DVC member charter on the Wish following the, its maiden voyage was heavily, like the maiden voyage, heavily adults. Not to say they weren't kids, but they were definitely more adults. What was the demographics of, of the passengers on this DVC member cruise? It, there may have been 20 kids on board, it felt like. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get a count. And they didn't book the ship full. Mm-hmm. So there was opportunity for it, it. Really came to us to notice it in the World of Marvel restaurant mm-hmm. because Spider Man was able to touch the tables a little bit more than zip through. But it was it was you know older, probably average forty five fifty years mm-hmm. old. You're right that these member cruises are they're usually timed at a time when the ship's not going to be popular anyway. It's a way to kind of extend right. the season. So for example, this was the last of the shimmering sailings of the 25th anniversary on the, on the wish, you know, usually it's either the first or last week of any season where they're at, whether, you know, like in Europe right. would be the first sort of start of that because they're, they're, they're booking the shoulder periods these will not be the ones where it's highly desirable for a day, a regular guest to kind of just book on their own. It's a way to kind of sell out a ship in a different, by offering a special event. Right. For like a slightly different audience. Yeah. But it was definitely very adult heavy, very, you know, frequent Disney cruise guests. I was actually surprised at the number of people who was their first Disney cruise. Oh, interesting. And the other thing that's interesting about a member cruise is there's a lot of guests from Japan that do them on a recurring basis. So we actually got to meet a friend, a new friend from Japan, Naomi, who we spent the day at Walt Disney World with later when, after our member cruise was over. It's funny because when you check in, they'll have like the instructions for the cast in Japanese as well, because, you know, there's the demographic of this ship is much more Japanese than it is normally. Not saying that it's overwhelming, but, you know, you know, there's definitely a contingent, probably about 20 guests who are, you know, just came straight from Japan. Hmm. Wow. That's definitely interesting. I didn't realize there was a lot of DVC ownership from Japan, but we know there's, you know, ownership in Canada. So it, yeah, I shouldn't it's actually be that interesting. I'm sorry to interrupt, but it, it's interesting that when they opened Owani, they opened up a Disney vacation club sales office in Tokyo Disney. Oh, that makes a lot more sense. And yeah. So there's actually amenities at Owani, like rice cookers and things that mm-hmm. customize for 
that culture. So I think everyone, everyone I met on the member cruise who was from Japan owns that Alani. So it's yeah. kind of a, you know, it's obviously much closer than Walt Disney World. Right. And, but still gives them something kind of different than just the Tokyo Disney Resort. Well, I feel like we need to focus this show on talking about the special things that happen on a DVC cruise. Because, you know, we don't really need to talk about NASA or Castaway Key. Not to say that there aren't great things happening there, but the ports are not the star of this kind of cruise. The star of this cruise are those special presentations and the special swag and special performers as well. So let's talk about some of those. Let's start with presentations. What kinds of, you know, individuals were on board to give presentations and what kinds of things did you get to go to yourself? I know there's often multiple things and you can't go to everything. Yeah, you absolutely can't go to everything. There was a lot of presentations that we, you know, we had to make choice. We went to, because we have a Disney fan site, we went to the kind of more newsy ones and necessarily just the more performance-based, which are, are probably more fun, but we wanted to kind of get the, the news out of the event that we could. So, for example, they had a, a gentleman who worked on the, is working on the new Win or Lose show from Pixar. Oh, cool. That's coming to Disney+. Plus. So we actually got to see an episode in advance of it debuting at some point. We got to see a presentation on Wish, not to be confused with the Disney Wish, Wish the movie from yep. Disney Animation Studios, which is very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Why did they use the same name? Well, it's a kind of like naming the adventure the adventure instead of naming the treasure the adventure. But, you know, we digress. Yeah, don't, yeah. Well, no, it, it was the same thing. Like Disney Dreams is not on the Disney Dream. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But That's right. We saw, so we saw a presentation on our own Wish, and then we got to see the most amazing Once Upon a Studio short. Um, I I, I got to see it on uh, several times, but this is just the most amazing short. It's going to be debut on ABC on October 15th and it'll be on Disney plus October 16th. Oh, that's my birthday. Oh, your your birthday. What's your birthday? October 15th. Oh, wow. So you, you are a Disney company founding Eve baby. Oh my goodness. I didn't even think of that. (laughs) You're right. I am. There you so go. Some, somewhere along the line, when you when many years be. before you were born, Walt was trying to write up the documents that he'd be signing up the <laughs> signing the next day. I love that. <laughs> so that was amazing. Mark Henn introduced it, and for those that aren't familiar who with Mark, who Mark Henn is, he's a Disney animator who worked on many of the Renaissance films and still works at Disney Animation today. And so, because they use traditional animation in it, he was kind of led co led the team that worked on drawing the characters. So he got to draw characters that he worked on many years ago and then new characters that like Snow White that he obviously wasn't around to work on back in 1930. So, (laughs) so that was amazing. And if you can watch it without crying, kudos, I've seen it eight times. I have yet to make it through without (laughs) crying. That's crazy. You've seen it eight times. (laughs) Well, so because every time people love it so much, they show it twice. Like Ah, you can never see it once because everyone's like, roll it again. At at Destination D23, which was after the member cruise, it is the only thing the whole weekend that got a standing ovation and it got about a five minute standing ovation. Wow. Is that good? It is that good. If you, if you have any Disney affinity, ABC, October 15th. I mean, and I know you're probably celebrating your birthday, but if you... No, you know, I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be celebrating my birthday <laughs> by watching. <laughs> it, it, definitely check it out. On the more sort of in-depth side, Leslie Iwerks, 
speaking of the funding of the company, mm-hmm. obviously the granddaughter of Bioworks, the co-creator of Mickey Mouse, was on board talking about and her dad, Don Iwerks. She also worked on it was a creative force between things like the Imagineering story, which is on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. and the Pixar story, and even Warner Brothers and the DC. She does she does all sorts of documentaries now, even one about voter and uh, disinformation on the internet. So oh, she's cool. a, she's a, she's a great person on her own right. And then Don Hahn, a famed Disney producer, Disney legend Don Hahn, who worked on you know things like Beauty and the Beast and The Lion King, just to name a few premiered a new video, a 30-minute-ish documentary, which is going to be on the Vacation Club YouTube channel at some point. They were very vague. But it's it's called Walt Heads West, and it's about the early days of the Walt Disney Company. And mm. I've been around Disney a long time. I'm not saying I'm a Disney historian by any stretch, but there's things about Walt in there that I had never heard of. Like, oh, cool. That Walt was a victim of the Spanish flu pandemic. Oh, wow. And that Walt almost died in a domestic terrorist attack. And huh. it just, it's all things that he kind of uncovered. Not that it, you know, he, it was not out there, but just it's never part of the narrative you hear. Mm-hmm. And so it's just this, all these things that if Walt had been at the post office where he was working as a, you know, post office clerk or, or something in that, if he had been there like two hours later, he would have been gone. Wow. And it's just, it's just so fascinating to hear the history, including Lillian's history, how she ended up working at Disney, there's mm-hmm. um, her history, uh, her, her Native American background, and all these other things that just I never knew about Walt. It was just, and it's presented in such a fun way. If you know Don Hahn, he's kind of goofy in a fun way, but you know, it's still got this deep historical nuggets of truth, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's got a lot of humor in it too. So that was a, it's a screening. He was there to do Q and A. They did it several times, but that documentary, you know, normally you don't want to go see a screening because you can see it, you know, on YouTube later. You don't need to waste your time. I see, but that is amazing. I was so glad I did. It was we saw it late at night on the first night, and it was a true highlight. Oh, awesome! Well, and then he's there for the Q and A. I mean, that's not you know, th- these are the kinds of things that we've come to expect when we hear about these DVC member cruises. You get these incredible creators from the Disney company, you know, being right there and and talking to you about what either what they're working on or answering questions about what they've just finished, which is just kind of incredible. If you go to the Rose, you know, on a vacation club member cruise, you'll get to see all the luminaries walk by you at some point. (laughs) (laughs) They all hang out at the Rose, the the nicest of the adult only bar spaces on board. (laughs) The one thing that is interesting is there's not a lot of venue space on the wish mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that they you know that That's is typically point. used on other uh, ships so they actually use the hero zone so the first day and a half oh, the hero zone was used as the hero zone and then they basically turned it into a theater with mm-hmm. chairs they put out chairs and so there were a lot of presentations that were held inside of that like the win and lose presentation they had a presentation by tim o'day steve Bagnini, and kevin kern about the 50th anniversary book that they wrote mm. and with a screening of the name's going to escape me, but one of those sort of classic 1971, you know, promo videos for yeah. Walt Disney World that is very groovy. But <laughs> it's a four-day cruise, so there was a lot of overlap. Like, we didn't get to do, they they did a karaoke with, mm-hmm. you know, the Disney stars we didn't participate in. There was also a lot of art classes, so you could have learned how to draw characters from people like Mark Ken and Station oh, cool. Martin. 
Lorcana got a big one of the big gifts we got was Lorcana cards because those are hard to come by. Those are in high demand. I, I just had to buy a starter pack off of eBay for our son, and like, wow, yeah. I bought, I got two starter packs from Shop Disney, and I was like, I was like, and then between Des- the the member cruise and Destination D23, I, got, I was like, oh wow, I'm actually getting some decent amount of cards here because yeah. They would teach you to play, but if you left your cards in the room, they would just give you more cards. Uh, so, oh, smart. Like, it, it, that's where they all went. They all went to the Disney Wish. <laughs> that was Lorcana. They actually took over the play area that's name is escaping me on Castaway Key where the ping pong tables are and all that. Oh, yeah. yeah Scuttle's in Cove. The shade. No, in the shade. Oh, in the shade. In the shade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and that became a sort of a celebration of Disney Animation's 100th anniversary because they had like Disney animation themed cornhole and stuff. And then Lorcana like training zone. So you could go there and, and, and play Lorcana. Yeah. What did you think of Lorcana by the way? Cause I, so for those who don't know, it's a, it's a card game that I think is kind of similar in the vein of magic, the gathering and neither Brian or I know how to play, but our son had learned this past summer. I summer have tasked class. Nathan this weekend with learning how to play so he can teach us so how to teach play. us. Yes. Cause we want to learn. And yeah. But what did you think of it? Ben? Well, I remember when magic, the gathering came out and I was so bad at it. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to do this, you know, because you could get the cool cards that would like make it easier and stuff. And Locano is structured in such a way where it, you don't really have as much of an advantage based on what cards you have, which is okay. I appreciate. It's it's much more accessible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a little more no, egalitarian. Though. Right. And like they don't have like a super expensive card that makes, you know, has more power than a regular card. Right. So you, everything is, is it's, it's talked about being as attainable. Mm-hmm. But I'm not so great with like reading instruction books for board games or card games. <laughs> and so having the guy there to actually explain it, because, you know, they make up these words when you really, it's like, you know, it's a fancy word for a discard pile, right? Or, you know, <laughs> got to activate your ink. And you're like, what are you talking about? Uh, oh, no, that's this. So <laughs> I actually won, but it was very helpful to have like, because someone explained it. So now I feel like I know how to play. And I have gone deep down the Laura Connor rabbit hole. I'm trying to get all the cards. I have now the vacation club. I might not have bought any points, but I've definitely spent a lot of money on Lorcana thanks to the member cruise. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, they get you in one way or the other, Benji. <laughs> they don't have to get you in. They could just get you in merch, right? I mean, that's yeah. I don't thing. know that. I don't know that Disney has ever had a hard time getting me to spend money. <laughs> so let let's talk a little bit about performers. I know you didn't get to go and see too many. It sounds like because you were kind of focused on seeing a lot of the presentations, but any idea of like sort of who was on and what kinds of performances they did? So I didn't go to the kind of cabaret style in the, in the great hall, but I did go to the two signature performances. Ah, It was a four night cruise, which is kind of short for a member cruise. So mm-hmm. there's not, there was a lot going on, but there was, not, you know, it's not as much, you know, that you would have on a seven night, obviously. The first one was a, a, a sort of a custom version of the Disney Princess concert. So mm. the, it's going on another tour this spring. But it was, it, and I'd seen the Disney Princess concert several times in several different versions before. Mm-hmm. But what made this special was, was kind of custom for the cruise. But it also, they brought in Jody Benson to sing Part of Your World, which, right. you know, obviously brought down the house as, I mean, I, I must have heard her sing. I mean, I'm not trying to, humble brag here, but I've heard her sing it, you know, 25 times and every yeah. time. Well, they invite her to lots of these like sort of 
bigger events and she has attended them for many, many years. So right. yeah, for somebody who goes to a lot of Disney events, it makes sense. You would have, I mean, we've only heard her the one time, but you will hear her again. I mean, I'm just old. So it, it helps that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I've been around the block a bit, but yeah, so that was, that was fantastic. And in my opinion, that should have been the closing night show. Oh, instead they did a, Dis- they do sort of annually a Disney on Broadway concert, mm-hmm. which is great. However, if you've been to Epcot Festival of the Arts, you've seen this. And they tried to theme it to Disney 100, mm-hmm. but it was still just music from Disney on Broadway shows. Mm-hmm. So it would be weird things that would happen. So it was emceed by the Muppets, which are great. Oh, I, that's that fantastic. Yeah. But, you know, it's neat to see the performer and the Muppet and kind of see how, you know, sort of yeah. the mechanics of see it See them interact and all that. My goodness, I love that. So that was really cool. But... Like, for example, they would talk about the history of the company and they'd be like, and then Walt Disney decided to start um, something, you know, build someplace where parents and children could have fun together. And then they would, they would, you know, and you're like, okay, and he built Disneyland. And you think, okay, you know, what's he going to sing from Disneyland? No, they played Start of Something New from High School Musical. Right. <laughs> I mean, I have nothing against High School Musical. I'm not like... Right, a, but Walt but, had nothing to do with that. Right. <laughs> he was it long gone. <laughs> has nothing to do with Disneyland. <laughs> and then it's also funny, they were like, and Walt created a company. And then they started bringing <laughs> Seize the Gates. <laughs> I'm not trying to get any political thing here, but Walt was notoriously anti-union. Yes. And so when they start singing about the strike starting, which is, cons- <laughs> which is like the lowest point in his life. Yeah. And you're like, what are you doing here? Well, you think the ending with the, you know, the greatest showman song, right? They, you know, uh-huh. And then they're like, oh, you want one more? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, great. They're going to sing Rainbow Connection or something Muppety because yeah. the Muppets are here. No, they sang the one song from the greatest showman I forgot completely existed. <laughs> like, like the slow sort of boring song yeah, yeah. from the middle of it. And you're like, what are you? This is just a mess. Like <laughs> you said, this is just a Disney on Broadway concert. Fine. If you had the Muppets do it, fine. But why don't you sing a Muppet song? Yeah, I love Rainbow I, Connection. Uh, it was it was definitely a disappointment at the end. I was yeah. hoping for something. And they build it up as this being this big thing. And you know, sure. this don't miss a moment. I say this a lot, but and I'm blessed to get to do a lot of Disney things. And But I just felt like they, this was not, there should have been a different Disney 100 moment on yeah, the vacation. Not this performance. Yeah. That was not just a salute to all of Disney, but mostly Tom Schumacher shows. (laughs) That is very weird. (laughs) Okay, well, we got to talk about the swag. And so people have to bring a whole separate suitcase, or that's what we hear. You got to bring a whole nother suitcase. We did this for the maiden voyage, but this was not because they gave us merch, although they gave us some. It was more because we bought too much merch. But we, you know, they (laughs) give you a lot of merch on these DVC member cruises from what we hear. What were the kinds of, what were the, the, kinds of gifts you all got on board traditionally they would give you a gift every night mm-hmm. that's sort of the member cruise mo but there was a letter saying hey it's a four-night cruise we got feedback that everyone was rushing packing at the last night so we're going to give you everything at once and then they're like this would have been the day one gift this would have been the day two gift like i mean i don't know that it mattered at that point it was probably the right decision because it is sort of a hard thing to pack around yeah, like logistically, it's smarter. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just, it was just weird. It was like, at this point, if you're giving me all day, you don't have to like show me that you've given me four days worth of stuff. <laughs> stuff. So there was a beach towel, 
a Lorcana starter deck, which we talked about, a drawstring member cruise bag, mm-hmm. a member cruise hat, two member cruise corksicles that are basically the size of the pearl corksicles. Yeah, like the wine, the wine the small, glass size. They're yeah. like little champagne flutes. Right, exactly. Goofy Disney member cruise Nuimo. Oh, cute. Oh, that's cool. Nuimo. If you're you're a vacation club member, so you know they have the magazine, the the Insider magazine. They have sort of a special edition of that. So that it it goes through every sort of special presentation that they're having. And then a beach bag. And then a cooler bag, which was sort of designed to fit everything in. So it it had had Mickey's and the vacation club Mickey anchors and kind of on the lining, which was kind of neat. It was nice because everything could fit in there so that you didn't have to, um, you know, pack everything again. You just sort of, you just had an extra carry on bag and a a special copy of the hundred Disney adventures of a lifetime from national Geographic by Marcy. This is a special member cruise edition because I had a pullout with member crew. I'm sorry, vacation club experiences in the middle of it. Oh, cool. Yeah. And signed. That was a nice touch. So that was really the main giveaways initially. Mm-hmm. Then each night they would give us a little keychain, which represented a art print that they would give us on the third night. So there was oh, wow. three art prints that they gave us. It sort of already packed. It said, we're doing this. So you still get something. And then there's, you know, it's easy to pack. So they're, you know, all sort of in solid fame. We also got, which I wasn't expecting another, you know, shimmering seas, lift goofy. Oh, the Mickey. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Mickey. Yeah painting so it wasn't really a member cruise gift but it was also a gift that we had to figure out how to take home (laughs) that is actually a lot of stuff to take home and then each day too you could go to the vacation club kiosk mm -hmm. and they would have other things in there so like a a member cruise luggage tag i want to say there was also another like keychain that they gave you every day there was a different gift oh wow well and that's i mean so on a regular cruise, there are different gifts that you can get each day from the DVC member desk, but they don't change those gifts. So they're typically like the same things. It's just like a DVC luggage tag. There's usually chapstick. There's usually a pirate tattoo. There's usually some stickers. They still have those Riviera prints that they're still giving away. I can't think of the others, but there's a couple others out there. Oh, the, the, the drawstring bag. Walt and Lillian on a cruise ship. Like that was a classic gift they gave out. Oh yeah. We don't have that one, but we, the, we have had We've been offered too many of the others. And so now we don't even go by the DVC desk half the time when we're on a cruise because we know there's nothing new. Yeah. If I, if I find one, I maybe have, I have 500 of them. So um, <laughs> if you need one, I'll give you, it's a nice little thing. Just, yeah. you know, I only need so much Walt and Lily in of one image. In- right. <laughs> over and over <laughs> again. Right. Yeah. But that's cool. That, cause it sounds like, cause those were then specifically member cruise branded rather than just DVC member branded, which is what you normally see on the cruise. Although it's, it's interesting, Benji, to hear you talk about the gifts. Cause uh, when you listed them off, aside from the Nuimo, like we've, we talked about a member cruise a while back with some folks and they were mentioning, Oh yeah, they gave us like DVC branded board games and like stuff like that, which it sounds like they end up like you end up getting Lorcana cards and things like that through the cruise as well. But it didn't, it did, it sounded kind of like this, almost like a standard complement of DCL swag that they branded DVC. So that, that vacation club monopoly game is like legendary. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> the time they give us, you know, it's usually books and things, you know, they tie into the authors or whatever's on the ship and, you know, whatever the big initiatives are. So for example, Orkana, this member cruise 
took place during the WGA and SAG strike. So they didn't have any of talent from the movies. Right. Yeah, I mean, they had animators, but not, which they usually do. They have more celebrities. So you're not going to have that kind of swag. It's also mm-hmm. only a four night cruise. So there's only four nights of stuff to give you. Right. Right. I would say it's less than, yes, it's less than the giveaways on a, on a week long member cruise, but it's also plenty. And, you know, it, it, I would say more of the stuff this year did seem to be like the logo on this, the logo on that. Right. But I also didn't feel like we were missing anything. Everything that they were talking about on the ship, it was sort of represented, you know, the Marcy book. They may have given us a wish list, though, that we have that we may have given away because we had plenty of them. But it was (laughs) everything. It's kind of already tied to it. And there were some other smaller giveaways at different things. The other thing they do is they have special custom menus. So you get to keep menus. So it'll be like. You know, this this item is inspired by Don Hahn. You know, I mean, it's a regular food item, but they kind of make it seem like it's special. But, right. you know, they also, so like, you know, say member cruise edition of the menu, which is a nice little keepsake because normally you don't get to take the menus home. That's cool. That's yeah. Awesome. I mean, I guess you mentioned, Benji, you know, you thought going into your first member cruise back when it'd be a week long sales pitch, right? So I think part of the member cruise is the, yeah, I mean, they're going to try to sell some points on board and usually they offer some deals. But a lot of it is member appreciation as well, not just like marketing. Did you leave the member cruise feeling, I feel appreciated as a DVC member? One thing they think as a DVC member that's cool is all the DVC mem- executives are there. So if you want to talk to the head of vacation club, you can talk to them. I mean, you, see, you know, it's not meant to be a complaint session, but... You know, <laughs> Tell them our annual dues are too high. <laughs> the rent is too high. <laughs> this is getting a little in the weeds, but Ryan Marsh, who runs the member cruise and does the is the publisher of the uh, newsletter and does a lot of the, I would say you know sort of less salesy, more fun marketing member pre- membership extra marketing kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. He is so amazing, and I mean I remember when I worked at Disney, he was the editor of Eyes and Ears, which was the newsletter that we got as cast members and I was, he, had, he had like a little letter, what do you call them, like editor note column every month, every other week. And I became like such a huge fanboy. It was so stupid, but like, I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm working there. I'm, I'm, I'm fanning out over a fellow cast member who, ha- whose job is to be the editor of eyes and ears, but he puts, he puts together such a great group of people. Mm-hmm. And the reason they get everything that he does is because people like working with him mm-hmm. and it's, you know, I, I don't want to, he's not, you know, he's not trying to be a Disney celebrity or anything like that, but he really put a lot of hard work into it. So yes, you feel appreciated because quite frankly, the people putting this on are Disney fans. They're not, mm-hmm. and you, you sense that, right? You sense that they're putting what on what they would like to see. The reason the Muppets are almost always on this thing is Ryan's a huge Muppets fan and, you know, he makes it happen and it's hard sometimes to get, you know, parts of Disney to work with you. But, oh, yeah. you know, it's not, because especially, you know, you're asking them to take four or five days out of whatever else they're doing to mm-hmm. join you on the ship. And they really put together a great assortment. Now, one thing that I thought was very humorous and I hope we get a chance to talk about is because they delayed the Disney treasure reveal, mm-hmm. the video happened to air while we were on this cruise, which was quite Oh, that's right. So tell us about that. So you're trying to watch the treasure reveal. And obviously, we mentioned up front, you you are trying to cover some of this stuff too. How'd the Wi-Fi hold out on the Wish, I guess? Luckily, luckily, you know, I was not assigned to covering the treasure reveal. So I didn't have to cover that part of it. But we did want to cover the reaction. 
mm-hmm. of the treasure reveal on the ship with all these vacation club members. So they announced that it's going to be on Funnel Vision. And great. So we all go out and the cruise director and the assistant cruise director come out and start by almost justifying, like, like okay, so remember, this cruise ship is going to just be like the Wish. So yeah. you're still going to have that obstacle course of a staircase on the running deck. Yeah. Gonna, and I'm like, <laughs> are you trying to lower people's expectations here? Is this yes. weird that like, it's that like, he's like trying to say what everyone's thinking, but usually people in official, official capacities don't acknowledge it like that. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was a bit odd. And so the time comes, they start the video, it plays for a good 15 seconds and freezes. <laughs> then they start again, maybe 10 minutes later, and it freezes again. <laughs> and by this point, they, they say, hey, you know, it's also on the TV in your stateroom. You can watch it there. Then they, they did eventually show it on Funnel Vision. But by that point, all, the whole crowd had disappeared. Yeah. And I kind of got the vibe that, well, let me put, you asked about demographics earlier. This is not a wish-loving demographic group. Yes, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. So, I mean, many people said they were on the wish because they wanted to be on the member cruise. Not that they love the wish. They wish it was on another ship. What yada yada yada. Probably talked about the wish a lot and its strengths and weaknesses. But you know, the this is an old school Disney group that's used to the old school Disney ships right. and has loved the old school Disney ships. So, and they really don't like the wish. Yeah, they really don't like the wish and they don't like that the treasure is wish 2.0 and they don't like that they didn't make significant changes from the wish to revise the treasure, right? Am I getting it? Yeah, and we knew that they weren't go- I mean, we Right, we all knew that. Anyone in I think know. they were like holding out hope that, yeah. you know, maybe they'd knock out a door somewhere or, mm-hmm. you know, and it was so the response to the treasure, A, they didn't get the big moment they wanted cuz of <laughs> I don't know, bad Wi-Fi, but um, I don't know <laughs> what was happening. And then, or, you know, and then people were sort of disappointed, which is, it was kind of a odd pall over the whole event because, you know, these are people who are strong ambassadors of the brand who are just disappointed and something had nothing to do with the member cruise. It wasn't even right. supposed to be the same time. It right. just it sort of, because of a hurricane, ended up being delayed to the member cruise. Yeah. yeah. Probably would have been better the original timing, obviously, just so that it wouldn't have happened. I mean, it would have happened a few days earlier. You People would have been talking about it, but it wouldn't have been sort of center of attention with Funnel Vision and then Funnel Vision not working. <laughs> so that's interesting. Our YouTube channel, I think it's under like Disney Treasure Reveal Fail or something. <laughs> just so you can hear the groan. Just, I mean, you know, I, I, we try not to be negative, but it was just so sad to see people not get that moment. I mean, it was hot out too and, and mm. waiting in the sun for this thing and just didn't happen. Hey, DCL Duo fans, you know, we get the question all the time, should I use a travel agent to book my next Disney cruise or should I just book with Disney directly? And I'm going to tell you, if you have that question in the back of your mind right now, you should stop what you're doing and head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo. The folks over at My Path Unwinding provide an amazing service. They are so knowledgeable and so friendly. We rely on them ourselves to book our family vacations and they provide an amazing service. And the best part is you don't pay anything extra for it. Disney, other tour providers, 
other cruise lines have built the cost of their commission into their pricing. So if you're booking directly, you are just paying that money back to the provider when you could be spending it on the kind of service you would get from My Path Unwinding Travel. You've heard from their agents on our show. They are so knowledgeable, so giving of their time. They know so much about Disney Cruise Line, Sailing Concierge, other cruise lines, other all-inclusive vacations and adventures by Disney that if you have a vacation in mind, they are the ones to book it for you. So again, head over to mypathunwinding.com slash Duo so they know we sent you their way. Thanks, My Path Unwinding, for sponsoring the show. And with that, back to our episode. You know, while we're here, Benji, since you're mentioning the treasure reveal, I, I think I'd be remiss in not asking you some of your thoughts about the treasure. I mean, you got to watch it. You got to see it. What was your initial reaction after you watched the video? <laughs> well, we talked we talked a bit about that. I was surprised that they kind of went all in on not being alone in a way yeah. that almost felt offensive <laughs> to single <laughs> travelers. I mean, it's one thing that you, you expect a Disney thing to be like, join your family, come together, but not to be like, don't be alone. Don't do things by yourself it was a little heavy handed. I am not a huge fan of these overproduced marketing videos where they try and put a story on it. You know, I, I'm I'm of two minds. I love the kind that Walt used to do where he would take you around and meet the artists. And But there wasn't a storyline to it. It was just, you know, or if there was, it was more, it's more like a, a documentary bit. style, right? right? Yeah. Like and, this yeah. is, yeah. Yeah. And because you spend so much time setting it up and you can see the payoff and, you know, coming from, you know, a funnel, uh, you know, a whole, a whole cruise ship away. But it was odd that... It just seemed like a lot of money that could have been spent someplace else, to be perfectly honest with you. Because yeah. I think what people want to know is what's it, what is this going to be? And in the end, this is we know it's going to be the same. I mean, I know people are disappointed, but we know it's going to be the same. But what's it going to what is the varnish they're putting onto it? What is you know the Marvel restaurant going to be? What is the frozen restaurant going to be? What shows are going to be in the theater? Like that's really what people want. And to spend 30, you know, so much of the thing talking about well, you know, my life has always been about <laughs> journeying out on my own and like, like is it in a, some bad Ernest Hemingway telling movie, but you know, it's, I'm excited about some things about the treasure, but I did not, I was not a huge fan of the treasure veil. I thought the map was great. The map that they kind of teased to yeah. some people and then gave out, they gave it out at destination D 23 and you can see it. I'm sure it's going to be one of those things that you're going to be able to get everywhere. I think that's fun. And I think even just sort of the, allowing people to discover the treasure was cool. I just don't think I needed whatever that guy's name was help to Arthur Quinn. Arthur. Yeah. Quinn. Yeah. yeah. Well, everyone thought was going to be the newest entrance to the uh, society of explorers and adventurers. Right. And turned out to be not that at least as of now. Right. Yeah. It, it was so close to, if they had done that, if they had jungle cruised it up like, and tied it into it. I mean, and like, do you think Arthur Quinn is, is a homage to, the early like Disney cruise line folks like Rachel Quinn. And uh, you know, it's like, that's what I first, I, when I saw the name, I immediately I was like, this feels like, you know, a fake name. Right. So I went on, you know, went online and I started searching. I was like, well, there's a Rachel Quinn associated with the cruise line, but I, you know, I, so I was like, I, I don't know what they're going for here, but it, <laughs> for me, I agree with you, Benji. It did, it, it did not work except in one respect. I think I'm going to try and show up to the maiden voyage dressed up like an explorer, like Arthur Quinn, and <laughs> to board the ship on the first day. But other than that, I was like, I didn't understand the reason behind it. I, to your point, I like the treasure map. I thought that was cool, except so we have the print of the wishes 
map that they made that had kind of the cartoon-like feel to it. And they have the big version of it hanging on deck three. And when I look at the treasure map, I was going, you know, it isn't really a map. It, it has map-like qualities to it, but it does not actually, as you dig into it and the announcement, correspond to where things are on the ship right. necessarily. So. Arthur Rodney, the first president of Disney Cruise Line, is the other yeah. name that came to yeah. mind. But yeah, and I also don't understand the funnel suite being Epcot. Yeah. Like that, I was, I just don't understand at all. And it was funny because I stayed in the funnel suite on the Wish once, and we always felt like we were under, like, in a, gl- in a fishbowl. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I don't want, you know, I don't want to do that again. And then on the member cruise, we happened to walk by it. And we saw two housekeeping cast members, like, I, I don't want to say fighting because it was, it was playful, but just like kind of chasing each other around. And I was like, <laughs> I can see into this thing, like nobody's business. Yeah. And it was, but anyway, I, I digress. But to your point though, there's a lot of those little things on the treasure, right? Like the treasure should have been named the adventure, but the Disney adventure is going to be the big ship in Asia. The treasure really should have had Aladdin, the musical, on it instead of Beauty and the Beast, which would have fit better on the Wish, but it doesn't. And then you know you mentioned at the 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 top of the show, what was the other thing they have on the treasure that doesn't make sense? It's the the name, the show, and there's one other thing. I'm blanking on it. Oh, the Epcot Funnel Suite should be Moana because right. Moana's all over the ship too. So like I I you know they plan these things out for years and they have a design and I don't know why somebody didn't lay out all four of these ships and go, wait, we should swap some of this stuff around because it doesn't really make thematic sense. So, yeah. I mean, to me, I don't love the name Disney Adventure because I think it's like, I mean, I'm of a certain age where I remember the Disney Adventure magazine, so I expect yeah. Macaulay Culkin to be entangled in Ursula's tentacles. But, <laughs> you know, part of what Disney prides itself on is that everything has a reason, right? You may not agree with it, but every piece of art, every carpet, everything has something to do to the other vision and you look at this and you go this doesn't always make sense and i know sometimes you run you know you run out of time and money so you take a concept that was made for something else and you plop it in i mean that has happened several times to my knowledge but i don't understand just some of the choices and maybe when we find out what the the last ship theme is going to be assuming the disney adventure is more of a broad basis based on the side of the size of it but yeah. when we find out what that is, I'm really curious to see how everything correlates. But yeah. I, yeah, I guess I just don't get it. I mean, I love it. I'm going to go on it. I'm not trying to say don't book a Disney treasure cruise. I, I felt the reveal was a bit underwhelming, especially since they should have leaned into the things that are different, that there's two Marvel shows, that there's two Coco shows. That there's going to be a new show. You know, I, I always hate it when they announce, you know, oh, yeah, I'm just going to have a theater with two shows you've already seen. Yeah. I just want them to be, give me a reason to book it besides the fact yeah. it's just a new shit. Yeah. Well, and I was disappointed too. The adult area stayed the same, even though it fits more to the princess theme of the treasure, like with the adult restaurants. So I, I just felt like, you know, we heard from a guest a while back who was in Imagineering with Disney Cruise Line, like, oh, the goal here was we give these ships a name and now thematically everything ties to the name. And it doesn't feel like they actually carried through with that. I think on the Wish, everything does thematically sort of most in most cases hang off of the name. But on the Treasure, it feels like, well, you get some of the Wish and then some new things that relate to adventure uh, a little bit. 
And I feel like they set themselves up for that because the the classic ships, and I'll include the the dream class in this as well. They're just that classic nautical thing, and they kind of can mm-hmm. take out parts and put in. You know, there's no sort of overall cohesive theme except Disney Cruise Line. You know, yeah. you obviously have the Europe themed adult area on the on the fantasy, and the dream has a little bit more of a sort of an evolutionary. What's the word I'm looking for? There's a there's a buzzword that they use, but you know, metamorphosis is a big part of that ship. But basically, it's interchangeable because it's all about being a Disney cruise ship. For the wish, they said castle on the sea. Basically, we took Cinderella mm-hmm. Castle, we flipped it on its side, and everything here is about fantasy, which is one thing I think the ship does well. I love the classic ships, but there's definitely a huge fantasy land element with you know the the castle side and the forest side. And oh yeah, the, the theming it just is really woven into everything on the wish. I mean, it's they did a really nice show, and even into the staterooms, I think much more so than you have on the the original four ships. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And then so when they announce the treasure, and you're basically okay, that's Fantasyland at sea. This is Adventureland at sea. Adventureland has nothing to do with Epcot. I mean, I, there's parts that okay, I get it. Like you're not going to remake three new restaurants for every ship. You know, you're going to have the one that you're going to flex out. I get that. It just seems like it's not as thorough as the wish. Yeah. And maybe it's just, you know, Fantasyland is sort of the core land of the company. And maybe Adventureland just wasn't as strong enough of a theme for them, but I disagree. Well, and and I actually think they could have, I mean, with the restaurants, so Marvel's your animators, I get it. I hope they do something fun with the show. Uh, nice that they brought in Plaza de Coco. I actually think they could have changed up 1923. I've said this a couple of times on the show. Like, I don't understand why they didn't make it 1955. And then the next ship is 1971. Right. And it's, it, they're already going to change out the, you know, the tchotchke and the artifacts that are in the restaurant anyway. So, you know, give people the illusion that it's going to be something different as opposed to just another 1923. Well, but what's interesting about it is, is knowing that 1923 on the treasure is going to have a lot of adventure land, you know, adventure yeah. movie stuff. I realized how little of that there is in the 1923 on the yeah. wish. I never, it never, I didn't notice it missing, but yeah. yeah, you definitely go, oh yeah, there's not a lot of Jungle Book here. So you said you booked the treasure. I did. When are you going on? Are you going on the Maiden or are you... No, uh, are... Absolutely not. <laughs> not <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, I, I, I don't want to take up all your time, but I do have this, your, I want your perspective on this. A Maiden voyage over the holidays, does that make sense to you? It only makes sense to us, I think, if they're trying to limit the number of people who are going on the cruise, which, based on the bookings to date, would uh, be borne out because the ship is the main voyage isn't sold out. The wish sold out before it even got down to. I think there were some rooms available at Gold, like some really slim pickings at Gold, but it basically sold out by the time it hit Platinum. And this thing went all the way to the general public and still has not only rooms available. It has rooms in concierge available, which was unheard. I mean, the concierge rooms booked out to what would be the equivalent of Pearl on the Wish. So I don't know what the strategy is here because not only is the Maiden not sold out, but a lot of the subsequent sailings aren't. They started the ship at a time when it's going to immediately go into an extremely off-peak season until it hits spring break. So I don't know if the thinking was, let's, let's keep the demand artificially lower perhaps so we can get some new audiences on board a maiden voyage who haven't been able to experience one and then we'll hit a you know a period of time when we'll be able to keep demand light just because people can't travel with their kids during this period of time and so that'll give us the ability to work out some of the kinks and that kind of thing but yeah i agree extremely 
unusual to make your maiden voyage a Christmas sailing. And it's left a lot of people with questions about whether this will be a very maritime cruise or not, because it's not designated as such. But I think there'll be at least half the ship pretty upset if they get on board and there's no Christmas tree in the atrium. Well, so. and I, I feel for I feel for the holiday services people who are going to have to figure out what they're doing on a ship they haven't seen. I'm yeah. assuming it's it's. I have a my conspiracy theory on it is is they wanted to have this ship open in Q1 of 24, which Disney fiscal year begins in October. Then they said, but wait, we got burned last time by having to cancel all these cruises. So we're going to make it as late as possible in Q1 so we can take the capital expense in, in because Q1 and Q2 for Disney are very flexible because of you have the holiday, the New Year's Eve date, which can fall mm-hmm. in either Q1 or Q2. You have the college football playoff changes the financials on Q1 or Q2 based on when the, those games are played. So I feel my, the conspiracy on theorist in me is thinking that this is a lot of balance sheet. Yeah. So too. And I also think because Benji, they, they had said 2024, once they committed and said 2024, I think they had to do it, right? They had to pull the trigger in 2024 because of there was such that disappointment of moving the wish by six weeks. So I think maybe they originally had hoped that treasure would be ready and done, you know, in September, October, and then they pushed her back as far as they could into, you know, but still within 2024. I was going to say my provocative viewpoint here is that they wanted to launch her in in August or September and change their mind based on the wish and said, we need to give ourselves the most amount of time possible to avoid that. And by putting it over the Christmas holiday, there is no chance, I think, that they can even think about moving the maiden voyage like they did last time because people will... They will lose a lot of capital with the community, with people who are like, I don't, I don't have the option to book a new Christmas vacation now because everything's already booked. It'll be interesting to see how many preview cruises they end up doing. Yeah, because if that if that gets strength lengthened out, we can go. Okay, you know, they were just trying to hedge their bets to not cancel cruises, but still launch. Yeah. You know, but or if there's like one. Then you know it's just they really were trying to commit to that and down to the wire. Day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my my best guess is they are actually going to take delivery of this ship at some point in September, like first week of October at the latest, and then spend the rest of the time getting this thing ready. It'll be really interesting to see. Really interesting to see. Well, it'll be interesting. I'm I'm you know as a member of the fan site community, you know, we got to go on the christening cruise. Yeah, where the ship was not done. I mean, I've never been yeah. invited as media to something unless it's like a construction tour of something <laughs> right it's <laughs> that, that incomplete I mean, because yeah. usually you go and you're like okay here's our review of it and like right. i can't review this it's not done i don't know what it is yeah and so i'm curious to see how done it is i mean presuming they do the similar kind of thing like when we go on it for you know before the revenue guests go on like are they how much duct tape is going to be used compared to the last time uh, <laughs> on the wish i'm really curious to see just how the rollout compares. Because if you remember, the Disney Dream and the Disney Fantasy had very different rollouts. Mm-hmm. The Disney Dream had this huge event on in Port Canaveral and everything, and it was a complete mess, complete mess. And then the, so for the Fantasy, they basically brought it out to New York, had Mariah Carey do a photo op on it and and smash a bottle. And like, you know, no one was present. No one knew. You know, and it ended up being like a park blog post and some B-roll. Right. It was like a video. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really curious to see how the launch of this ship compares 
to the launch of the wish in terms of all that soft opening, you know, media sort of preview. I mean, is it, if, if they hedge their bets, is it possible that they would add on a guest preview cruise? If it, they got to ship in time and they felt that, I mean, that would maybe that would likely upset people, but I know other cruise lines do that. I don't think they'll do guest one, but they could add like a cast and, fa- you know, they could add an extra cast and family one, right? Because they do those, they do several of the previews that, well, it typically they'll have like, you know, a, ca- a cast preview cruise where they're doing sort of a dress rehearsal. They have the media, a couple of different media previews. So they could, if they added one of those in, I think people wouldn't be upset, but if they added in a, a just sort of customer preview cruise, yeah, I think that would make that would make me mad as somebody who has paid for the maiden voyage to be perfectly honest. Are they capable of not making people mad? Is is, yeah. is really the great question here. Yeah. I don't have a problem with them inviting yeah. media on for free and cast members on for free, like to so that they can do all their dress rehearsals. Because well, I yeah. want them to be ready to go when I get on, right? But but yeah, it would bother me if it was just like a free customer. Well, it probably wouldn't be free. They'd probably charge no, no, something I, for it. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I think they they yeah. have to though. If it's a preview, they have to. Yeah, they, for the yeah. cast members, you know, it's like free. with the the maiden voyage always being pretty booked up. At least you know previously, Normally. you don't want that crew. I think the wish kind of had some challenges because they didn't have enough preview cruises. I mean, these right. cast members have to figure out where they're going, you know, exactly. And you know, and how, you, never how everything be, works. you never want to have an attraction that's efficient. It's always cool to get to go on a preview, whether it's an attraction or a cruise ship, there's no question. But if you're paying not even full price, like premium pricing, yeah. You, and you know, I mean, I would hope guests would be understanding that it's still pretty new, but at the same time, you want to have some of the kinks worked out. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. don't know that they had. I mean, you guys were on it. How, how smooth was the maiden wish cruise? It was a. It was a mix. It was a mix. There were some things that were fine and and really well done and clearly like well rehearsed. There were other things not so much, and then there were a lot of things that just weren't available. Right? There was like the the only thing that was like really. I would say there was kind of for me two things that were disappointing that they weren't available. One we knew ahead of time. And was less disappointing. That was that the Aladdin stage show wasn't ready. And I was a little bit like miffed because I'm like, well, they've already done Aladdin on another ship. So why is it not available on this ship? That didn't really make a lot of sense to me, except I understand, you know, they've got a, they didn't have any time to rehearse on that stage. The other thing was Uncharted Adventure. That was the thing I was most disappointed about, to be perfectly honest. have Have they gotten that done? I mean, is that, do you think that that, I mean, I, I did it. It's it not feels like it's in preview mode. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. It does not always work. I think that's the big glitch is that it's just, it's inconsistent in the experience. I think they would say it's done and it's out and it's fully launched, but it's just inconsistent in the experience, like from cruise to cruise. It was curious to me. They didn't mention at all during Disney treasure reveal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think we held out hope they might revert to something more like the detective midship detective agency because it's physical and it's easier for them to implement than all of this technology that you frankly have to test across any number of multiple mobile devices to see if it will actually function. Yeah, I'd, I'd say the maiden voyage on the wish to Sam's point was, I mean, it was it wasn't just that a show wasn't ready. It was that the shows that did run had technical problems and limitations oh, because yeah, they hadn't been able to fully vet them through the theater. Uh, you know, the dining rooms were a little bit of a cluster because they just didn't fully know what they were doing yet. And, you know, no signage. There was lots of signage that wasn't up on the ship. So for a new ship that you had to learn to navigate, they didn't have the appropriate signage up all the time. 
I mean, lots of little things like that. And then they kind of last minute instituted some policies on board that were kind of frustrating. So like one was we had, you know, we had stayed up and stalked the app across three of us to get some adult dining reservations on the cruise. And we ended up getting like brunch of, and dinner. Yeah, three of the four. Brunch at Palo, a dinner at Palo, and a dinner at Enchante. And when we showed up, they just announced, well, you only get one adult dining experience. And they just they picked one for us and canceled the others. And I was like, like, what? That was not advertised when we booked. That was not advertised when we, we booked the things in the app. Like, and how and do you, you know didn't which even, one we wanted? You, know, you didn't cancel. bother to ask me which one I wanted to keep. So we ended up, you know, we ended up getting some of the things that we wanted. But yes, yeah, so I, I do think the one thing they have going for them in their favor with the treasure is that they are bringing over a crew. They, I mean, we have heard countless crew are being asked to go from the wish to the treasure. And so at least they have some idea of what the ship is going to be like. I think the kinks will be the longer sailing. Yeah. And they're training people from what we've, from talking to cast members, we, they're sending a lot of folks who've been on the dream, the fantasy, the wonder and the magic over to the wish to get trained on that ship because the, the expectation is that, you know, some of those folks are going to be then going to the treasure. So they're trying to get as many cast members as they can sort of trained on the wish because there really isn't a difference between the wish and the treasure operations for the wise for the cast with obviously some small exception. And it's clear that they brought some people that were from cruise line that, you know, maybe we went to the park, but kind of back into the cruise line fold of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The way the wish launch makes me very curious for the adventure launch, Mm -hmm. because if you have a hard time getting cast who know what they're doing, I mean, I I don't, that was not the, maybe the right toe, but you know, who have experience and have, you know, been around a while. And then you want to create a whole other mega ship that you're going to be launching. And, you know, I mean, honestly, the, the magic was a mess and when they launched it too, but that, at least that was the first ship. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, you're yeah. trying to mesh a cruise culture with a Disney culture. Totally get it. I mean, every, you know, Disneyland was a mess on opening day famously, <laughs> but you know, you just want it's, it's one of those things where it's like, let's make new mistakes, not repeat the old mistakes. That's the only thing I ask. Yeah. Yeah. They do seem plagued by that problem of constantly repeating history. So we shall, we shall see. We are excited to have booked the maiden. We did not book the cruise after because the pricing was oh, so high. So we're actually getting off and going on the fantasy for New Year's Eve right after. So we're excited for that. We're excited for that. I'm not that. going until March. So I'm curious to see how the ship looks like, you know, kind of in that six, you know, three month time frame. Yeah. Because I don't I never book the maiden just because I'm cheap. But on the wish, I was supposed to be on it like four weeks later after, which I love because you still get that opening team vibe, but like they're a little bit more in the ring of things. Mm-hmm. But it ended up getting canceled because of the wish delay. But then with it being December for the treasure, just January, February are kind of busy for me personally, just you know, my taxes and everything. So I'm delayed. This is the longest delay outside of the wish that I've had going on a new ship. So I'm really curious to see what that experience is like. Well, I'll say it took a while for the wish to hit her stride because we were just on in August. And I think with the same group that we went on when the ship first launched, and I think this was the first time we were all on going, this feels like it's all functioning correctly now. Like everything is kind of working on this ship. So... I had a great server on the member cruise and I was like, wow, this is great. He's like, did you open the ship? He was like, no, I never want to open the ship. <laughs> I want to get the, get the kinks out and then I'll go over. And then I'll go yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that probably makes sense. Yeah. Exactly. Well, 
Benji, I think we could talk cruise line all day, but I think we have reached that point in our show where I need to hand you over to Sam for some arbitrary questions, some arbitrary rules, and a dash of judgment or the round we know as rapid fire. So Sam, take it away. I don't know what you have in store for Benji this time around. Yeah. So this time around, we're just going to talk Disney Cruise Line because I did already ask you some of your general Disney favorites. And we talked ABD, of course, the last time you were on the show, Benji. So we're just going to talk favorite stuff from Disney Cruise Line. And it can be on any of the five ships. Or frankly, it could I guess you could tell me if there's something you anticipate loving even more than what's already on the ships. But, you know, it's kind of hard to say if you haven't experienced it. So let's start. Let's start where I love to start, which is your favorite Disney Cruise Line stage show. That is a great question. And I feel like I'm going to be a sucker here and say Disney Dreams, which really Benji. (laughs) It's the oldest, but it's I mean, I mean, I'm starting to get a little uncomfortable with, with like teaching kids to jump off roofs but, um, <laughs> and out windows. And <laughs> I love a good review show. I wish Disney, <laughs> I wish Disney cruise line would do more of those. I, you know, it's easy adventures a little bit like that, but it's very short and kind of, but I love a good sort of, here's a story. And then we're going to have Disney characters teach you life lessons. <laughs> All right. I, I love uh, that. Fair enough. It is cute. And there are some great musical numbers in there. I, you um, know, and it's, I've, I've seen a lot of sh- short lived shows like Morty, the magnificent and right. Toy Story, the musical didn't seem to last very long. No, it didn't last long. I love, I do love the Beauty and the Beast show as well. That's probably, if I didn't That's have the, the right answer, Benji. So the wrong I, answer is Disney Dreams. That's not a, I, I understand all the reasons why you gave, but the right answer to this question is everybody who listens to this show knows like the right answer to this question is Beauty and the Beast. If, if, Beauty, if, I, if Beauty and the Beast had been around 25 years ago, that would yeah. probably been the answer. But yeah. there's something sort of comforting about yeah seeing you know the show you know and love right it's like seeing golden mickeys and seeing bob Iger up on the screen (laughs) yeah well yeah i mean you know i because what did they do when bob Iger wasn't around it was still bob Iger. it was never bob chapek there was no way bob chapek didn't knew that yeah no way bob chapek knew bob Iger was still on that show (laughs) i'm with you it was it was very odd for years okay what is your favorite adult bar space on Disney Cruise Line? Any of the ships? That's a great question, too. I should preface that I don't drink. That's okay. So, but I love O'Gills, I think. I think yeah. it just it's a nice, it's a nice functional space, mm-hmm. but still got, you know, when it was divergent, it was kind of bland and still got the theming. It's got a story. Yeah. I, I think that's my favorite. Nice. All right. What is your favorite onboard activity? My favorite onboard activity is sitting on deck four and watching the sea go by and relaxing, maybe occasionally seeing a character walk by me being chased by a bunch of (laughs) seven-year-olds. I love that. That's that is the best. Seeing like Mickey on the running track or something, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, love it. All right. Favorite rotational dining restaurant. And this could be for any reason. Like I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying because of the menu, because of the entertainment, because of the ambiance. So whatever sort of sticks out for you. It never quite lived up to its potential, but I am still a sucker for animator's palette. Yeah. And especially the sort of classic version mm-hmm. where, it, you know, now when you get to see even just the line work, you get to see how they draw the characters. Yes. I, think I love it's that It's really cool to see them come alive. You know, obviously it's sort of perennially has technical difficulties, but 
you know, I also like the fact they took a big swing on it and mm-hmm. you know tried something that is really Disney. And I, I like that. All right. This is probably not that controversial, but tell us your favorite port. Castaway Key? That's right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm excited for Lighthouse Point, but you know, it's it Castaway Key will always be the original. And I think yeah. too, just being it's the history it has with Disney that's stretches back long before Disney Cruise Line, I think is a neat little fact too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially as it's grown over the years. And I've, you know, now I have memories there. It's going to take a while for me to build the memories of White House Point. I'm sure I'll love it, but I don't know. I haven't heard anything that they're doing that's really game changing for me Mm -hmm. that will kind of overshadow the sort of classicness of Castro Key. Love it. Nothing like sending yourself a postcard and not getting it for like an entire year after, by the way. I remember, I remember like the big thing was to get the castaway key stamps. Yes. Back in the day. And the, but the post, if, if someone sneezed, the post office would be closed. Yes. It's still the same way. Yeah, and like, as so I was like, you know, it took forever to get the, the postcard. And then, oh, what was the other th- the, oh, the other thing I was going to say is, is I think like second would be NASA. Just kidding. Like, <laughs> I mean, the nice thing, if you go on a Mediterranean cruise, where sure. you're going, like, lots of great ports. That's yeah. a, you know, it's a lot of great ports, but none of them have Disney. I will say my favorite port memory was going to Copenhagen, going to Tivoli gardens mm. and meeting the boy who is now a man and actually retired shortly after I met him, who was in that famous picture of Walt, where he's wearing that big Tivoli Garden hat. Oh, wow. The little boy yeah. is there. His name, Sven was his name, or still is his name. And and so getting to meet someone who got to meet Walt in yeah. sort of influential way, you know. Right, we, obviously, a place you know, that inspired. Well, and yeah, there's a place yeah. that inspired Walt, obviously, yeah. It was really cool. And yeah. I, I mean, and so I got to take a picture of him, like kind of where I played Walt and he played himself. It was kind of cool. That's awesome. All right, we got to talk food. Favorite food item. I need a sweet item and a savory item. Let's start with sweet. This is maybe not what you meant, but it's going to be the free ice cream. On, yeah, that's on, on the uh, on the top deck. Yeah, and that's the one thing I don't. I, the wish where it's like they won't let me do it myself, <laughs> and so I feel guilty because like if you do it yourself, you can just kind of go up like five or six times and like like when. But when you see the same cast member like twelve times, <laughs> there's minute, judgment. Like, yeah, like, like I don't don't judge me. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, I think that's a great answer. Okay, favorite savory item. I love the, I don't remember which restaurant it is, but the fried brie that they do. Oh, yeah. I'm not a foodie by any stretch, so it's like I'm not a super, the dining experience is the dining. I like the dining experience, but I'm not mm-hmm. savoring it as probably I, as much as I should. I mean, I you know, I love Enchante and Paolo, but I would it would be... I'd be remiss if I could even remember what I had. I remember being good, but you know, I just, I don't remember. I don't take pictures of my food unless it's needs to be on a website someplace. So yeah, but that is one that I just go like, Oh yeah. It's like it pop. I see it on the menu. And I go like, Oh yeah, I really like that. I can't wait. To yeah. Order. I love it. Awesome. All right. Aqua duck, aqua dunk, aqua mouse. Aqua mouse. Oh, I interesting. I, I'm not a huge fan of the aqua dunk. And I love those Mickey Mouse shorts. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of, and it kind of gets you a little wet before you get wet. It's kind of like, you know, yep. like primes you for the, for the adventure you're about to have. Yeah. So, and then you don't have to like, it just makes sense because the, the, the inner tubes have to get up there anyway. You might as well go on it while it's doing it. It's yeah. kind of like, you know, when you at pirates at Walt Disney world, you're like, I know those boats are going back up. Why can't I just stay on it? <laughs> right. Give me more ride. Give me more. I love it. All right. Favorite ship. Disney Magic. Ah, the original. All right. 
Last question. What is your bucket list cruise? If you could cruise anywhere in the world on Disney Cruise Line, where are you cruising? And it doesn't have to be someplace that Disney Cruise Line even currently cruises to. So this could be an imaginary. I have been booked on and canceled more transatlantic cruises (laughs) um, than just because of the time involved in it. Mm -hmm. But I would love to disconnect. The ports to me is not, obviously a Mediterranean cruise or an Alaskan cruise, you know, the ports are great and you should do it. But when I'm, I I've done plenty that are just going around to Ensenada and Mm -hmm. you know, never seen the end of a ship. So I would love to do one just so I could say at least feel like I followed through on my commitment to doing one. And also because I would also like to sort of recreate Walt's cruise to Europe and and kind of see what he felt when he was trying to recover from the stresses of working at the studio. Mm-hmm. I would love to um, feel, I mean, obviously I'm no Walt Disney, but I would love to kind of get that sense of him, you know, taking those two weeks and really being introspective. And I'd love to do that myself. Awesome. Nice. I love that answer. Thank you for playing, Benji. Sorry to subject you to my judgment on your, you know, show picks, but you know, it's always I, fun hearing what what different people like and and hearing what sticks with them as far as their memories. And I, you know, of course the food is is always a fun one as well. I do enjoy eating and seeing shows and doing Disney cruises. So I appreciate you asking me the question because it makes me remember all the fun I've had. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Benji, I liked your last answer the most because I think it tracks with the answer you gave at the end of our last show because you wanted to do an ABD into South America, if I remember correctly. So Mm -hmm. you're you're keeping thematically true here uh, (laughs) with your desire to follow in the footsteps of Walt Disney. Well, I mean, let me just say, like, as a not as that I ever intend to found a company that will have a creative legacy of a hundred years. I do not have that in me. I am self aware, <laughs> but I would love to just see what inspired him to kind of just help me understand how the Disney we ended up with is came to be. Yeah, for sure. That's a great goal, Benji. Do you want to let folks know where they can? find and follow along with you and and read more of your thoughts, I think, over at Laughing Place? Yeah, we're part, part of the team over at laughingplace.com. We are knee-deep in all sorts of covering fun with the 100th anniversary. It's, the 100th anniversary seems to be the thing that never started, but is always starting. And so uh, we are covering all the stuff that they have, especially with Disney Wish coming out in November. We expect to have a lot about that movie because there's so much to love as a Disney fan in that. And it is, we have a lot that we've seen that we just can't wait to share as we get closer. And we hope that you enjoy discovering this film and please, please, please. If you see something that you love as a Disney fan, share it with others so that Disney makes more of that. And thus of the stuff we don't love. There you go. Great advice. Well, Benji, as always, we appreciate you coming on the show. You're welcome back anytime. We love chatting with you. But for now, we'll say thank you for sharing your experiences with our listeners. We really, really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. And see you guys real soon. 
Well, a big thank you to all of you out there for listening this week. We really, really appreciate it. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week. We'd also love it if you'd head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. If you hit those five stars, that's great. If you leave us a written review along with a five-star review, we will be sure to read it on the air at the end of one of our main episodes. If you're hovering over anything less than five stars, we really want you to reach out to us so we can take your feedback. Best way to do that, head to dclduo.com to find all the ways to connect with us. It links to our podcast, our vlog, our blog, has all the ways you can connect with us on social media, has our Etsy store where you can find our fun beach bags and magnets that we designed as enthusiasts of each of the Disney Cruise Line ships, has a link off to our Patreon if you'd like to help support the show. We really, truly appreciate each and every one of our Patreons for helping to support the show each and every month, has a link off to our show sponsor, My Path Unwinding, where you can get more information about booking a fabulous vacation, which also really helps to support our show. All the things are there, including a way you can sign up to be a guest on the show if you'd like to share your Disney Cruise Line experience. Most importantly, you can always email us at dclduo at gmail.com if you'd like to connect with us, or you can call our voicemail line if you'd like to leave us a message. We love to include the voices of our listeners in our show. Just dial 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. And that will head straight to our Google Voice voicemail line. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent or the great folks over at My Path Unwinding Travel. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night.